It's the big buck with the latest of the canines. The big buck, all the doggiest of headlines. With your host, Dara, Millie, Roxy, and Bruno. They're the kind of dogs that you know. It's time to talk about health. Nutrition, training, talk with canine professionals, owners, and dogs. It's the big buck, the big buck, all the canine stories for you. Hello and a huge welcome to the Big Bear Podcast, the show that brings you all the canine stories to you. I'm Dara Burke and joining me, as usual, are my canine co-hosts, Bruno, Millie and Roxy. So we had another wonderful episode last week and thanks again to my guest David Hartigan of Hemp Heroes and Alana Cahill of AC Photography for joining me in what was, I suppose, another top of the pops, shall we say, for the podcast. Uh, once again, ranked as the number one podcast on iTunes in the Pets and Animals category for Ireland. So look, let's get right into it this week. Coming up later in the show, we have another wellness with your woofers. And, well, i tell you one thing, there's no wellness here because Roxy is going around and she's literally just... She has a, to- a cap of a Ben & Jerry's uh, ice cream, would you believe? So, thank God we ate the Ben & Jerry's. But anyway, uh, coming up later in the episode, we have Wellness with Your Woofer. And this week we're chatting with... Roxy, stop. We're chatting with Mark Kelly of Dogs, Jews and Dogs in Cork, who shares his story of how amazing... Being around dogs has been for his mental health and how they've helped him through some tough times. We chat a bit about what, not just what Roxy has been up to this week, but an amazing thing that Millie did when my dad had a bad fall when out walking this week. I'm also chatting with Joe Auburn, co-owner of Irish company Holistic Hound, about the amazing natural dog product range that they have on offer uh, to help not just dogs actually, but all sorts of animals is with their ailments and issues. But look, first off today, uh, while Bruno and Roxy are out there kicking the absolute crap out of each other, we're going to dive right into it and welcome Samantha Rawson back for Clever Canines. And Samantha's going to be here chatting all about your doggy training issues. And we have a good one lined up for today, which I'll tell you about right after this. Clever Canines on the Big Bark is brought to you by the Canine College, run by champion dog trainer Samantha Rawson, a regular contributor to RT Radio and Television. Samantha is a certified canine behaviour consultant and with 30 years experience in the field, she has the knowledge and understanding to help any dog. Our services include individual dog training from basic to competition standards, assessments and behaviour consultations. The Canine College is set on five acres with a secure paddock and an indoor classroom. See thecaninecollege.ie or find us on Facebook for more information. Well, Samantha, a big welcome back to the Big Bark. Great to be here, Dara. So we're into season four now, Samantha. And as you might have heard there in the background, a little uh, bit of playing going on from... Bruno and Roxy, and I suppose that brings us into our topic for this week, which is a very good one, actually, and it's about the dynamics of a multi-dog household. So, Samantha, um, you, you probably heard the bit of fighting between the play... It's a lot of play fighting that Bruno and Millie mm. tend... Or Bruno and Roxy tend to do there. But I suppose, like, ourselves here, like, um, we have three dogs here now, so it's a real multi-dog household. And I, you can probably hear the two of them out there in the background. But, yeah. So, Samantha, <clears throat> okay, I suppose 
first and foremost, we're going to talk about a few things here today. And, like, obviously you can hear the, the backing there. Uh, well, okay, talk to us about how you integrate, I suppose, a new dog into a household <laughs> that has other dogs already. Okay, I suppose the most important thing for me, Dara, um, as a dog behaviourist and trainer, is to ensure that the resident dogs, the already established dogs, that their life isn't upset too much and that they accept the new puppy and that they don't have to kind of lose any privileges that they might have earned or been used to before the new pup's arrival. So they're, they're not discommoded in any way, that you remember that you got the third dog for you and not for the other dogs. Um the other thing then is from the puppy's point of view, from training the puppy, I want to ensure that the new dog bonds to people or, you know, has a human bond, a human dog bond rather than a dog dog bond. Because when you bring a, another dog into a, a doggy household, obviously they will naturally identify with their own species. Um, and, and, you know, obviously it's, it's great if they're great friends, but you've got to ensure that if they're out together on a walk, that that new dog listens to you. And sometimes if they're overbonded to each other, then they won't listen to you and then you run into trouble. So as much as you want them to be friends, it's really important that the dog spends as much time with people, if not more time with people, than it does with other dogs. So I would always like it to kind of be 70% with people, 30% with dogs. And then... Once you know your dog is reliable and has a bond with you and its recall is good and all that kind of stuff, then you can increase their access to other dogs. So then maybe you might let that be 40% of the time with other dogs and then eventually 50% of the time with other dogs, but no more than 50%. I want their relationship with me and dogs to be equally balanced. As a matter of fact, I, I prefer it to be in my favour. So maybe for me personally, it would be 70-30. But for your average dog owner, 50-50 is okay. Okay, and like, look, I suppose we know, and I definitely, it's something I definitely experienced when Roxy first came here. Uh, there was a tremendous amount, or there can be a tremendous amount of jealousy from mm. from the older dogs that are, they're already here. And all of a sudden, it feels like they may feel that they're like being just, they're being put out. How, yeah. like, how, how do dog owners avoid this? It's really important when you've got a multi-dog household that you try and give your dogs time and attention individually because dogs are actually quite jealous. You know, they, they are social animals and they are jealous. And there's only one of you. I mean, if there's one or maybe yourself and Jen, there's two of you. But, you know, it's really important that dogs are given individual attention and that they never have to compete for attention because most dog fights in multi-dog households an awful lot of the time it can be over the owner's attention. So I would tend to give them attention individually. I'd swap them around. I'd maybe have one dog in the room with me, put the other one out in another room or out in the garden or vice versa. Or if there's, you know, if there's a family in a house, say, listen, can you go in there into that room with that dog? Maybe if you can you take the dog to the shops with you so that the dogs all are getting into individual attention from people. Or if they're if they're on their own, they're learning to also be on their own, that they're not getting used to having company all the time. So it's about kind of rotation, but it, it's very difficult to give loads of dogs attention at the same time. So save all of my dogs are in with me, right? So I have eight dogs. So 
if there were eight dogs in the room with me, I would be ignoring everybody because that's going to, if I try and divide myself one into eight, it's not going to work. So it's like, you know, we come in from the, the field, we've played, we've done some training, whatever we've done. And then it's come in and settle down and it's like, go to your beds. Nobody's getting any attention. So there's nothing to compete over. That's actually very good advice because I, I suppose like, look, the one thing that I suppose I found myself personally with Roxy is she doesn't know when to switch off. She doesn't know when, like, I suppose mm. <clears throat> playtime is over. If you, yeah. if that makes yeah. sense. And yeah. like, I've definitely seen it at like, say maybe nine, 10 o'clock at night. That, like she'd be, she'd be like trying to get Bruno or Millie to play with her. Now Millie is 12. Yeah. Millie is like, a much yeah. older dog so like Millie rarely even bothers with her it's it's more herself and Bruno to have that bond that play together yeah and okay. like it's almost like she doesn't know when to switch off kind of so like you like it's puppy energy yeah so I suppose when you have a puppy like how do you how do you like get them to like realize that like that old night especially when yeah. the others are tired yeah. Yeah. They, okay. need, they need to relax. It's it, That's your responsibility. So I know this sounds a little bit ridiculous, but I always give puppies a bedtime. So, so it's really important that puppies have a regulated day. So because she's a puppy and she's looking for a bit of crack and she doesn't realise that the day is coming to a close, um, she might then be bullying Bruno into playing with her. So, so then she learns to be a pushy puppy because she can annoy another dog sufficiently that they will react to her. And sometimes attention is attention. It doesn't matter whether it's negative or positive. So she could be learning behavior that's going to come back and bite her in the backside later on. So the fact that she can annoy Bruno that late at night is not good for her education, not good for Bruno, and obviously not good for yourself and Jen because you're trying to chill out and relax. So I always give puppies a bedtime. So depending on, on what your schedule is, so say if you guys head to bed at 11 or something and she's looking for a bit of crack at 10 o'clock at night, I would maybe put her to bed at nine. So you settle her, you're, you guys are still up. You know, there's still people around. There isn't a sudden loss of attention. There isn't a sudden loss of contact. That, But you put her to bed and say, sorry, sweetheart, your bed is nine o'clock. And then that gives everybody time to chill out. It's also important for Bruno, as much as he might love her, it's important for him to have his own space and his own time and to have you guys to himself the way he did have before Roxy arrived. So so that kind of special time between you and Jen and and Bruno and Millie is important. So I, I would advise that you give Roxy a bedtime. Yeah, and I suppose I looked at place to, I suppose, any puppy really because, uh, well, any, any puppy that comes into a house where there's all the dogs already there. Yeah. So what other, okay, so Samantha, what other like training tips would you have then for okay. for new puppies entering a house where there's already other dogs? Okay. So, so sorry, before I answer that question, Dara, I want to go back to your previous question about um, uh, Roxy looking for a bit of crack at 10 o'clock at night. The other thing that's very important to teach dogs, and this goes for all dogs, but especially a multi-dog household, is to give them a signal that says the attention is now over, get lost. Okay, So I 
equate that with a kind of a human behavior where if you're on the phone to your friend, you wouldn't just hang up. You would let them know that the conversation is coming to an end and then you'd say, see you, good luck, talk to you next week, whatever. So it's important that we offer our dogs the same kind of courtesy, that we let them know the attention is now over and it's time to, to go away. So I always give them a visual signal. So I would tend to kind of, you know, cross my arms and kind of wave and say, you know, that's enough. So I'll give them a visual signal. Then I will break eye contact. So I will look at the ceiling or look out the window or look beyond them. Um, and then I will give them a, an emotional cue that says I'm no longer available. So if the dog persists and, and the dog could jump on your head, start swinging out of you, maybe try and pull a cushion off the, off the sofa. It doesn't matter what the dog tries to do to get your attention. You have to completely and utterly ignore them so that they learn that that's enough means that's enough. When it's over, it's over. Um, dogs are really, really good at trying to demand our attention. So they've got to learn that you are consistent. And when you say something, you mean it. But that, to me, that's really important that you tell the dog when the social interaction is over. Um, so that's that one. The other thing about um, training tips for a multi-dog household, separating them, spending time with them individually is really important. And also for a young dog to practice your recall in the presence of the other dogs. So your other dogs are a great tool as a distraction because if they're already trained and they're well behaved, then they can be role models for your new puppy. So it's really important to practice recalls in the presence of the other two dogs with the puppy so that they learn no matter what distractions are around, if there are other dogs around, when I call you, you come to me. Um, and, and from my point of view, play is really important. Of course, you can use treats and you can use food, but play is a much, you know, it's a much, it's a much better bond building exercise than just using food. Because a dog can come back, take a treat off you and, and just run away again. Whereas if they're playing with you, they're staying with you and they're actually engaged and they're having fun with you. So it's not such a, a negative to call them away from having fun with another dog. If you're going to say, come on, let's play with me. Um, they're, they're much more likely to, to listen to you if you're fun to be with. Some great tips there, Samantha. Um, I suppose there's one as well that I've got in. It's actually a question that I've got in from uh, uh, one of our followers here on Instagram. And the question is, uh, my puppy eats everything. I mean, everything. Uh, <clears throat> I've tried everything again to stop. Any tips? Okay, so the first thing you have got to look at there is diet because an awful lot of dogs are, are fed boring food. So if their food is boring, as in, you know, dry kibble or dry biscuits, um, then everything else in the environment is attractive. But puppies are, are very curious creatures and they will naturally um, pick up everything and put it in their mouth. So it's part of the exploratory development stage. Um, it's part about being curious but it also could indicate that their food is quite boring and everything else is attractive. So I tend to um, give puppies lots of household rubbish to explore. So if I was having a yogurt, I would give the dog the empty yogurt pot. Um, I'll give them an empty toilet roll to, to, you know, flitter. I will give them, you know, an empty tea back box to flitter as long as there's no tea in it. Um, I will give them, you know, a butter carton. So save, you know, I had a tub of butter. And that was empty. I wouldn't throw it in the rubbish bin. I'd give it to the dog to, to lick out. So as much kind of natural, you know, um, 
products or natural items in the house that you can give them. Like, you know, say if you were, I don't know, replacing your um, dishwashing brush, you know, the, the brush for washing your dishes. If you were replacing that, I'd give the old ones to the dog, you know. If you were replacing your wooden spoons, I'd maybe give the dog the wooden spoons, the old wooden spoons. Now, all of this is under supervision. I would never give any item to a puppy unattended. I will always supervise a puppy if I'm giving them stuff to chew. Um, the other thing is, obviously, there's loads of um, natural kind of chews now in the shops that, that you know, that the commercial market have copped on, that people are into natural products rather than kind of, you know, man-made products. So there's loads of natural products on the market now. But it's important to give dogs variety. So don't just give them the same thing over and over again. And if they have a load of toys, maybe leave them two or three toys, but rotate the toys every three days so that that they have constantly new stuff to explore and engage with. Um, and you should find that that reduces the chewing and the, and the teething. They are teething. They are chewing. They're looking for stuff to explore. And it's up to you to, to provide them with a wide variety of textures so that they don't destroy your house. Yeah, and I suppose, like, one thing that Roxy actually loves doing is, like, plastic bottles. She just loves mm. just chewing on them. It's, like, it's yeah. something I've noticed that if we have a plastic bottle that's empty, she just walks away with it and, like, sits on the floor in front of us and it's like, okay, yeah. well, that keeps you happy. Yeah. Why do I waste this 20 euro on the setting for you? But that's, yeah. <laughs> I suppose that's not yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we have one other question before we wrap up here. And this comes in from actually a one of, it's actually one of my colleagues, actually. This comes in from Sarah Sullivan, Dublin, this comes in from. And uh, Sarah has asked, lead pulling, Sarah has a lab too, and she's asked, lead pulling, even with a slip lead, have you any tips? Um, <clears throat> personally, I don't like slip leads. Um, slip leads are great in an emergency, you know, or if you're if you're trying to, you know, maybe you take a dog from an owner in a kennel situation or in a veterinary um, situation. Slip leads are great for security for dogs. But from a training point of view, I don't like slip leads because if the dog, you know, kind of gets choked, if you pull a slip lead and the dog is choking, well, then that immediately sends a negative message between the dog and you. So I personally don't like slip leads. So I would maybe put an ordinary collar on the dog and sit down and watch TV with it or walk around the house or the garden with it. So I try and introduce the lead on a collar or if you prefer a harness, but if she's using a slip lead, I would imagine she'd be okay with a collar. Um, and just get the dog to associate that the, the lead is not exciting. Try and make it quite boring. If you think about how the guide dogs are trained, you know, they don't get madly excited when, the, when their harness goes on. They're, they get, a, you know, when their harness is taken off, they get excited because then it's, it's, you're off, you're free. A lead should be quite boring. So you need to introduce that around the garden and around the house and maybe sit down and watch a movie or make a phone call with the dog sitting on a lead beside you and then gradually build up your distractions to outside. But unless that dog is walking nicely with me in the garden, I wouldn't bother going for a walk. Um, the other thing is sometimes if a dog gets a fright on a lead and the lead is obviously attached to the owner, the dog can pull away from what it considers frightening, which can sometimes be the owner. So I would test that by maybe putting a longer lead on it, um, maybe on a collar, but put a, a quite, quite a long lead, a long rope, and see if you give the dog a little bit of space, does it stop pulling? Or does it pull no matter what the length of the lead is? You need to test that. 
Um, because sometimes I've found with pups, they're pulling to get away from something rather than just pulling on the lead. So I, it depends on how old the dog is um, and and what way it was trained on a lead. But you've got to just make sure that there's no fear behind that behavior. That That is it pulling because it's excited or is it pulling because it's frustrated or is it pulling to get away from the lead? Um, so there, there could be a few causes there. Well, that's great, Samantha. And listen, we're going to leave it there for today and we'll have you back again next week and we'll have another interesting topic in mind for next week as well. Samantha Awesome from the Canaan College, thank you so much for joining me on The Big Bar today. Thanks, Tara. Clever Canines on The Big Bark is brought to you by the Canine College, run by champion dog trainer Samantha Rawson, a regular contributor to RT Radio and Television. Samantha is a certified canine behaviour consultant and with 30 years experience in the field, she has the knowledge and understanding to help any dog. Our services include individual dog training from basic to competition standards, assessments and behaviour consultations. The Canine College is set on five acres with a secure paddock and an indoor classroom. See thecaninecollege.ie or find us on Facebook for more information. And a huge thanks once again to Samantha Rawson for joining me today uh, to talk all about the dynamics of a multi-doggy household, which is very appropriate given that, well, we recently introduced Roxy to Bruno Millie, as you all know. And a lot of the stuff that Samantha talked about there, it does definitely been challenges with Roxy. Uh, at times, I suppose I do actually call her a challenge. Um she's been a bit of a bully at times to my big Bruno. Come here, Bruno. He's actually, Bruno's walking in the door here to me now. Come here, Bruno. Come here. He's walking in. And Bruno is actually quite, um, I suppose, sore at the moment. Bruno was recently diagnosed with hip dysplasia. So he's, his leggy is sore. He had an injection yesterday out at Tree Vets uh, with John outside there. Uh, so he's starting to feel a bit better. The injection is definitely helping, but he's just he, this fella has is such a lovable little rogue. Especially when he's when he's sick, he's um always sore and thing. All he wants is his 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 cuddles. That's all our Bruno wants, isn't that right, Bernie? It is. And you don't want the puppy to be annoying you. You don't want that puppy to be annoying you. I know. And speaking of annoying puppy, uh, she's halfway to I suppose the. I suppose the Antarctic by now or the Arctic Circle or someone she's digging that hole so deep. Still working in the same hole. And but she's overall she's uh, she's been a good girl, like she's getting along great with Bruno. But I suppose the whole digging a holes thing, uh as you can hear there's there's Bruno plopping around outside in the hallway there and he's laid down now. But slippery when wet and muddy. That's the name of our episode this week and the reason for that is because trying to catch that little little bitch that little bitch is roxy that's the only word that can be used for at times correct phrase to use as well by the way because she is actually technically a bitch she is a female dog which is what a female dog is called is a bitch so she's um look trying to catch her when she's muddy and wet. Like she just slips through my hands. 
she completely slips through them and she just runs all over the place and I suppose runs amok as well very appropriate to say that uh Let's see, what else has she done this week? Um, she has calmed me down a bit. She has now torn up nearly every one of the teddies in the house. She's not overly fond of teddies. And I have a little squeaky thing that came out of all the teddies. I keep it in my pocket. And she barks at that. More videos on that going up during the week on our TikTok. Yes, we're on TikTok now, actually. Uh, so look at us up on Big Back Podcast Official, I believe is what we're as over there. So, look us up on TikTok, you'll see a few videos of Roxy over there, and yeah, she's been, oh god, such a diva, such a diva. I think it's this IKC attitude that she has, she thinks like, she's just this, oh, I'm a posh dog, I'm IKC registered, oh. I'd love to know if anyone else has IKC registered dogs out there. Do they also have this little attitude about them that they're better than other dogs? Because, right, Christ, that's the way that she definitely thinks anyway. Uh, yeah, so Roxy likes to think that she is a the best dog in the house. Um, that those titles go to Bruno and Millie because they are the best dogs. And as Samantha said, we need to make sure... That they get lots of love and lots of attention. And they're still getting their own. They are still getting their own attention. And their own love. But uh, what what happened this week. Which was very interesting. Is Millie had a brilliant. Uh, I suppose. Brilliant close experience with my dad. And she helped him after a fall. But I'm not going to go into that just yet. You can tune in in a small while after we chat with our next guest. And I will fill you in on that. How Millie helped my father. Uh, so yeah, moving on. Our next guest. We are welcoming Joe Auburn from Holistic Account to the show. And Joe is going to tell us all about the products that Holistic Account offer. So we're delighted to... This. this again was a pre-record it was done during the week whereas the segment with samantha a while ago was actually recorded live so that's um that's a new one for sure for me but yeah anyway uh on to joe and Alyssa count okay and now today i'm joined by joe Avon from Alyssa count and Joe's here to tell me all about the different products, the different natural products that Holistic Hound offer for your dogs and what the benefits of the products are. Joe, big welcome to the Big Bark. Thank you very much, Dara. Thank you for inviting me and having me on line. So, Joe, I suppose i come across your products before. Uh, my partner works in Pet Stop in Limerick. So I've definitely come, seen some of the products inside there. And I, like I mentioned to you before we came on, I've definitely used the Snout and Paw Queen before, but you have such a huge range of products. Now, before we dive into that, I kind of want to get, I suppose, a bit about your own background and how did you come up with the idea of Holistic Hounds? Where did it come from? And how has everything been going? Okay, and now today I'm joined by Joe Avon from Holistic Hound. And Joe's here to tell me all about the different products, the different natural products that Holistic Hound offer for your dogs and what the benefits of the products are. Joe, big welcome to the Big Bark. 
Thank you very much, Darren. Thank you for inviting me and having me online. So, Joe, I suppose I come across your products before. Uh, my partner works in Pet Stop in Limerick. So I've definitely come, seen some of the products inside there. And I, like I mentioned to you before we came on, I've definitely used the Snow and Paw Cream before. But you have such a huge range of products. Now, before we dive into that, I kind of want to get, I suppose, a bit about your own background. And how did you come up with the idea of Holistic Hounds? Where did it come from? And how has everything been going? Yeah, so uh, I started um, Holistic Hound itself actually back in the UK, uh, back in 2005. Um, But I'd actually been training in complementary therapies for animals um, for about three to four years before then. And it generally came about because I got my very own first dog. Um, purely by accident. Uh, I was supposed to be emigrating to America, but instead I actually ended up going to a garden centre that was closed. So I ended up in a rescue centre and came away with a dog. And uh, and there was no looking back from there. What I found was, or what I realised very quickly, was that this dog was completely dependent on me making the best decisions for that dog in, in terms of everything, in terms of diet, uh, you know, in terms of meeting their emotional needs, their physical needs. And one of the things that um, actually happened with this dog in particular was she had a contact allergy with a grass. And um, it didn't seem to matter, no matter what I did uh, from the vet side of things, it didn't really make it any better. And then a friend of mine actually suggested very randomly, she said, oh, have you tried homeopathy? And um, I was actually a working engineer at the time, so very scientifically minded, very evidence-based. And I was just like, what are you talking about? And uh, she said, look, give it a, give it a go. And, you know, it, it won't do any harm. It may make you some good. And I, I gave my dog this particular homeopathic remedy and uh, right in front of my eyes, the, the, the allergic reaction that she had just disappeared. And I just couldn't believe it. And I just, and it made me kind of think, oh, gosh, maybe there's more to this than meets the eye. Maybe I should look into it. And that's really what um, started my training off. And I went and did uh, training in a wide range of complementary therapies for pets. I ended up then specializing, um, particularly in herbs. They seemed to kind of call to me. I felt like a particularly a particular affinity to them. And so I started at that point um in my in my kitchen at home making products that I could be using for my dogs in a preventative healthcare in a supportive healthcare way that meant that I didn't automatically have to reach for um, pharmaceuticals uh, or go to the vet uh, you know with very kind of small problems that that most dog owners encounter on a day to day basis and it sort of moved from there to the fact that a lot of my friends then started using my products and. Um, and it then just seemed the natural progression to really kind of share it with the rest of the world and develop the range of products that we have today. So we have a, a fairly uh, large range now. It def- definitely feels quite large range. We've kind of got about 20 plus products um, covering anything and everything. What we're trying to do really is, is cover all the, the everyday health issues um, that dog owners will come across. Um, at some point in their dog's lives so some of them are kind of ongoing things so you know you might want to use them for um, parasite control so preventing worms preventing fleas and ticks or treating fleas and ticks um, all the way through to kind of more specialist support so when your dog gets particularly old uh, and you need to kind of really support their key organ functions of their liver their kidney 
their brain function. So, you know, a lot of dogs have cognitive decline um, all the way through as well to very kind of specific um, illnesses that, that dogs may have as well that they can you, you can just kind of get support for. So that's really where we're at with a lot of our products. And uh, the range keeps growing, <laughs> much to the dismay of my business partner. Um, just as we find kind of things that, that can really sort of help a lot of uh, dog owners with uh, with their day-to-day health and well-being of their dogs. And it's really sort of about um, enhancing the use of, of, of natural uh, herbs that are around us that, that have been helping with healthcare for for millennia, for thousands and thousands of years, and just going back to the roots of the you know of that, and looking at the root cause. So quite often, you know, when I'm kind of talking with people um, about specific issues that their dogs may have, it's about it's not just necessarily applying something topical, but it's also looking at treating from the inside out as well as from the outside in, and really looking at the dog as a whole. So really, hence why we're called we call ourselves holistic hound because it's really kind of looking at making sure that you are meeting all of their needs so not just their physical and nutritional needs but also their emotional needs their social needs um you know kind of their environmental needs all of these different aspects sounds like you have quite a product range there to kind of fit every need now i'm kind of going back there like you went to a, you were going to a garden center to probably buy flowers and you end up coming home with a dog like yeah Im- imagine going back if that hadn't been the decision that you had like made it, you haven't actually adopted that dog. Like I'm a great believer that everything happens for a reason. Like, and I, I do think that definitely did that day happen for a reason. Mm, it, de- it, it definitely felt like it um, because the, the garden center we'd gone and, you know, we had a whole plan in place for moving to America. We'd given ourselves six months to do that. Um, and you know had a, had a complete life plan essentially went to a garden center it was supposed to open at 10 it didn't it, it opened at 11 so we went next door to the rescue center and it was the it was the strangest thing Dara really was it was uh we walked around the entire the entire area going oh look at the poor doggy oh isn't that sad oh isn't that sad but not really connecting and then we turned this last corner and there was this little staffy dog um my little Taz and she was stood on an upturned bed, barking her head off, bark, 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 really kind of putting people off because she was barking so much. And she stopped and her head swung towards us and she looked at me. And I swear if she was wearing a watch, she would have looked at the watch and gone, where the hell have you been? I've been wasting so long. And uh, and it was instant. And from that day, you know, so we kind of took Taz on and um, obviously not only was it our first dog, but it was also our first rescue. Um, and, you know, all of our dogs since have actually been rescues. And I think she, you know, she was there to kind of teach me about how much I could bring to to you know, the, the, the rescue dogs and to her life and to everybody else's. And then what has seemed to happen as we've sort of gone through the last 20 odd years is I I have dogs that come into my life whether they're my dogs um and you know or whether they're client dogs almost as if they're there's something I don't know yet and so I have to learn so they they kind of bring with them their own set of problems and and unique ways of looking at things and require me to do a bit more work and look into things and come up with solutions um and it, it seems like it is faith that I end up with a dog 
for you know whatever circumstance that means that just come to show you you haven't learned everything yet that every day is a school day you've got to come up with something new for this approach um and i that's where i really my passion is really is kind of helping these dogs who have uh, have kind of struggled um historically uh and and just coming up with new ways of being able to support them Fantastic. So talk me through some of the specific products that you have. I'm looking here on the website and I see everything from uh, my treatment, to snow and paw balm, to worm treatment, yeah. uh, take <laughs> treatment. I Like does literally every kind of product, liver and immunity, especially in older dogs, for example, like how important is the likes of liver and immunity and just in general, like supplements yeah, for kidneys? Yeah. So- so a lot of the products that we have are, are not what you would call like-for-like replacements for, for pharmaceuticals, but there are different different ways of looking at things that have historically been treated um, using pharmaceuticals almost as a, as a firefighting option. So it's kind of moving from that firefighting because it's an issue to actually preventing the issue in the first place. So we have, uh, we have a full range of... Um, what you would call parasite control. So we have our worms away. So instead of actually having the, the monthly or the three monthly uh, harsh chemical uh, treatment um, that you would get from the vet, that is great because it eradicates all the worms, but it's it's systemic. So it works throughout the entire body. So effects can have really damaging effects. Uh, um, but also it means that once you have taken that tablet and got rid of whether it's your worm burden, whether it's fleas or ticks, your dog is then his he's immune compromised because you've really given him a, a, a real belt of, of strong chemicals. But also he's then he can actually pick worms up the very next day. And he could then have worms for another three months before you actually treat. Um, and it's just a cycle of kind of constantly eating away at their own natural immune system. So uh, you know, if you kind of take worms away, for example, it's a preventative monthly, um, monthly maintenance um product where you Every three days, uh, three days once a month, you basically give this product and it maintains kind of an unattractive environment for the worms. So it can actually, it destroys any worms or eggs that are present and then just maintains this kind of environment, which means that uh, the worms actually won't take a hold in the first place. So you're, so you're kind of treating but preventing as well. Similarly with our ticked off product, for example, that's about building their immune system and their natural ability to actually deal with these with, with these parasites. So ticks, for example, are 100% opportunistic. If anybody was to say to you, here, this is a marvelous tick product, it's, ever, it's going to stop absolutely every single tick um, from ever latching onto your dog, then they're not being honest um, because that just isn't the case. But what you need to do is get to a stage so that if a tick does decide to have a to have a free ride on your dog or your cat or whatever it it might take a bite but doesn't want to actually hold on or stick around because it's not the the dog's immune system is too strong and the the taste of them and the smell of them is not you know conducive for for a tick to hang about so we have those products then we have things like the mighty stuff is another parasite one um, and we actually developed that with vets because they actually found that with a lot of the skin mites, the uh, traditional pharmaceuticals, um, uh, the, the mites have actually become resistant to them. So they're not actually being effective in working. So, again, it's a combination of creating uh, a, an environment which prevents mites from actually taking hold, but also eradicates mites 
that are present as well. So it's doing both of those at the same time. Um, so then we have the the kind of the, the maintenance products, if you like, which is the snout and paw. You mentioned that you'd use that, which is sort of about keeping your dog's paws crack-free. Um, a lot of dogs have issues with uh, sore crack noses as well and hyperkeratosis. And uh, you have dog ears, so about keeping your dog's ears clean and mite-free. Bright eyes, similar. You know, it's a that is, is great for kind of treating and soothing sore eyes or any kind of conjunctivitis or allergic conjunctivitis, whether it's bacterial or allergic, um, and reducing tear staining. And then we have, um, you then sort of move on to the products that are more for specific issues. So if you have an itchy dog, for example, we have our, our Ditch the Itch spray, which is uh, a good one to kind of nip that whole cycle of the more they itch, the more they scratch in the bud. But with the Ditch the Itch we, you know, is a good example of where we say treat inside as well as outside. So it's a great topical spray to actually reduce that itching in a dog um, in an instant. Um, and it breaks that mind cycle as well and helps the dog kind of relax and chill out. But longer term, you want to be getting to the root cause of what's causing the itch. You know, is there a lack in their diet of essential fatty acids or something like that that's actually causing the itch? Then you have the Calm and Balmy, which is you know, for kind of dogs who have um, high levels of anxiety or fear of thunderstorms or kennels or something like that. And it, again, it just it uses a herb uh, in particular called valerian, which really kind of just helps the dog kind of almost take a deep breath and go, oh, OK, chill, relax. It's, it's not the end of the world and can really help just bring them down from that red back into the amber and into the into the green. We have a lot of um, rescue sites, for example, that use the calm and balmy. Um, and the Calm Canine, which is uh, more of a kind of a nutritional supplement um, to bring the dogs who are very stressed coming into a rescue environment, bring them back down to a level that they can actually kind of feel more secure, more relaxed, and are actually then open to kind of addressing their situation and learning and being easier to rehome. So that's kind of very handy. We have then our kind of our situational products, so such as the Heal Me Quick which is just a great first aid product, um, immediately stops bleeding and then starts to kind of uh, heal and soothe the, the, the skin or, you know, any kind of grazes or cuts or anything like that. So it's just a great one to just have on the shelf. You know, the, the snout and pore is a, is a great one to have on the shelf should you ever need it, need it for any kind of skin issue. Um, the travel well, if you have a dog that doesn't uh, travel particularly well and uh, gets, you know, does a lot of drooling or a lot of panting, um, then that can just really help take the edge off uh, travel for them. So that, again, you can then actually use desensitization techniques to actually make it uh, a more enjoyable experience for the dog. Now, some dogs don't travel well because they can't get equilibrium with their center of gravity. So actually, it's always going to be an issue. But an awful lot of dogs don't travel well because of they haven't been desensitized to that movement, to the being in the car, and that you get that trigger stacking with association of fear. Um, and so actually the travel well can help to just bring in that desensitization and uh, resolve that issue fully. And then we have all the nutritional supplements, which is sort of our tummies, eat me, the flaxseed oil-based um, products that we, you were talking about, Calm Canine and the liver and immunity and old dog. And these are really, so the tummies is a great one. Again, just have on the shelf and have in the cupboard because 
it's something that you can literally just give to your dog for one or two days in a row and it sorts out any diarrhea issues any nausea any vomiting um you know even if a dog is constipated as well because the herbs in there actually adapt to whatever the body needs so it's just very very handy to have on uh, in you know in the cupboard just sitting there whenever you need it but also if you have a dog with a chronic long-term digestive issue um you know an upset digestive system um is you know is really fundamental uh to to building or resolving an upset digestive issue i should say is fundamental to building a strong immune system the two are irrevocably i can't say that word the two are linked (laughs) um you know they 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 reckon it's about 80 85 percent of the immune system um is actually directly linked with the, the the state of the gut so if your gut is out of balance and the flora isn't correct and um you know you haven't got that that a strong digestive system it's automatically going to knock on to your immune system um so getting that right is kind of key so we have the the other um supplements then we have our, our eat me which is a you know kind of a daily supplement that you can just add to your your dog's food whatever you're feeding them and it just gives them a nice balance of herbs that kind of help speed up the digestive system line the gut um, produce the right gut flora and bacteria uh, and uh, and make sure that you know you're really kind of supporting a strong digestive system with the dogs then the other the other dietary supplements are where you know you were talking about kind of liver and immunity and and as a dog ages one of the, the key things with aging dogs is that they do need a little bit of support. Everything starts to slow down and the circulation slows down. Their ability to get what they need out of food slows down. Their liver and kidney function starts to drop off. Um, and, um, and particularly with uh, with kidney function, you know, you can kind of go to about 70 to 80 percent of your kidney function loss before they show any symptoms. Um, and then, of course, you know, it, it's like they're falling off a cliff. So by actually supporting them early on. Um, and giving them everything that they need, particularly, you know, as dogs age, um, lots and lots of essential fatty acids, um, making sure that you get that that balance of omega-3 and 6 and 9, um, just really helps oil the machine almost, you know, and gives them the ability, their body, the ability, more ability to do what it needs to do to look after them as they get old. Um, and then we have a, we do have a, a, then a very specific range of products called our fundamentals range, and that's much more, uh, much stronger and targeted um, support tonics. So we would have like heart health and mobility and um, canine cognitive dysfunction, uh, you know, all these different things. That's pretty much it. (laughs) Well, it sounds like you have something there to, I suppose, cover everything. And I've been looking at your site there and the product range does look fantastic. So just to remind people, if they want to, I suppose, if they want to buy from you, what's the easiest way to do that? Um, well, we, I mean, we are kind of stocked in a lot of local pet shops. Um, we're in the pet stops, um, but we do uh, have our own website as well. So they can always order direct. Um, we kind of do a flat rate shipping just mainly because it makes our life easier. Um, but it means that, you know, you can kind of get uh, a good uh, a good load of products for, for a very good shipping deal. Um, but otherwise, you can, you know, kind of call into your local pet shop. And if you do have a pet shop that, that doesn't stock us, we're always happy to talk to uh, to pet shops as well. We don't kind of um, 
you know, we're, we're happy to stock large and small pet shops. We don't have kind of any restrictions on anything like that. So if you want uh, your local shop to have, them, have us and they don't already, then uh, give them a shout. That's fantastic. Joe, Joe Irvine from Holistic Hound, thank you so much for joining me today on The Big Bark and I wish you all the best in the future. Okay, thanks so much, Derek. Once again, huge thank you to Joe there, Joe Irvine from Holistic Hound. Big thanks to her for joining us. And yeah, that is quite fascinating to know about the products because I've definitely used a couple of the products in the past for the doggies. Uh, they're still in Paw Bam. I've definitely used that. I found them very, very beneficial for the dogs when I've used it in the past. And if you want to know more about Holistic Hound, buy their products directly from them. Well, like I mentioned, you can buy them in any old good pet shop. So Pet Shop, uh, uh, one of the biggest, I suppose, sellers yeah, I've come across of Holistic Home products, so pop into your local pet shop, but have a look on our site as well, holistichome.ie, and it gives you a full list of local stockers as well. So there's, ah, there's tons of them really around the country, so I'm looking here, and there's some, I believe, in probably nearly every county going. Uh, so yeah, pop onto their website, holistichome.ie, some great products there. I'll definitely be uh, checking in more into the likes of, say, the, the likes of the tummies, because sometimes the dogs' tummies can get a bit upset. But again, the Snow and Paw Bam, I find is very good. Uh, just, like, things like that. The Mobility Spray is one now with Bruno's, I suppose, Mobility Issues that he's having lately. That's one I'm also going to be looking into. So we'll definitely have a good old... Look at that. That is the fundamentals mobility. And there's the flexibility one as well there. So, yeah. Uh, let's see what else is flexibility. Oh, Cam Canine. That's actually a very good one too. There's an adventure backpack. They have all, all sorts of different products there. And all natural, which is great. Fantastic stuff. Oh, and the Mighty stuff. If your dogs get ear mites, that's not a really good one to get as well. So, look. Uh, you can pop onto the website, holistichound.ie, check all the products out there. You can buy from them directly and they're fairly quick as well to ship things to you as well. So, uh, okay, I told you before that that I had a story about Millie. Now, Millie, uh, Millie, 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 eh, she did something amazing this past week gone. So, okay, so as most of you know, I work full time, so during the day trying to get the dogs out for a walk is quite hard because just can't get them down to UL which is our favourite spot during the day when they want to be going on out walkies so can't get them down there and unfortunately I suppose like I, I, I miss that element not being able to walk them every day but I do love is that dad gets to take them walking he gets to take them off he gets to meet people down there unfortunately one day last week dad had a bad fall down there uh ul is a great spot for walking your dogs especially like bruno and millie who walk off lead uh they're well used to being walked off lead down there i know some people don't agree with off leash walking but they always come back now the Walkway that goes around the 4G pitches on the North Campus. That's where we usually take them. Great walkway. Uh, 
dad was walking along there and he tripped over some I, I believe it was some like weeds that were sticking out. Uh the one thing I would like to say if anybody in working in UL facilities management is listening to us or if you know anyone uh, who works in UL facilities management, would you please tell them to cut the fecking uh, weeds over on the North Campus. It's an absolute disgrace. Given this complete bullshit that it's for the bees, it's all for the bees, we have to, we can't cut it. Yes, you can. You're just, stop being so lazy and cut it. Because, number one, my father is 75. Uh, is he 76 now? Let me see. 75, he's 75. Uh, his legs aren't great at the best times, so his balance isn't the best. But no one, no matter what age you are, should have to fall over bloody weeds that haven't been caught because you're using some crappy excuse that the bees, lads, there's no bloody bees around over there. So what you're doing over there is just completely pointless. Uh, anyway, that's my rant over on that. Anyone knows anyone in UL facilities management? There you go. You can tell them. Right. Okay. So, Dad was walking along, you know, and he fell over these blasts of weeds. And now, Bruno and Roxy were both off-leads as well. Roxy has become very, very good off-lead. She's really good, really great. Sticks with Bruno, doesn't run off on her own. But they had walked on. Millie stayed with Dad. She sat there with him. And she actually went down, went right down from what I'm told. She went right down and she allowed Dad to use her as kind of, I suppose, a support to get him to stand back up. So, like, that is an amazing thing for a dog to do. Like, we're always talking about how great dogs are. And how they're so supportive and they're like, they're great emotional support dogs. They're great, like, I suppose, support dogs to older people, to people with injuries. But Jesus, that was the first time I've ever seen Millie to do that. And I'm, I'm so proud of her because she stayed with that. And I will say the other two, they wandered off uh, away themselves, but they came back. They didn't like run away. Bruno kept an eye on Roxy. So, fair play to Bruno. Fair play to you for doing that. And Roxy, she's in the bed, I believe, at the moment. So, God knows what she's tearing up right now. Uh, but she stayed with Bruno. And the two of them came back. And they came back with one of the other doggies that we'd often meet down there, Maggie. Maggie is a small schnauzer, mini schnauzer type dog. And came back with Maggie and Maggie's owner, Paul. So, when by the time they come back around... To where Dad had actually got himself back up. Thanks to Millie. Now that's amazing I think. And I think fair play to Millie for being that support there. And for really helping Dad as well. Now speaking of support. And Doggies being support to people. We're circling back around now here. To our mental health uh, series. And this week we're delighted to welcome Mark Kelly to the show. So again this was pre-recorded last week. And... Like, look, I'll be straight or honest, a lot of our interviews are pre-recorded because it's when it suits everyone, really, to get the time to do this. Uh, so, yeah, pre-recorded last week, but... Okay, uh, let's see, what was I saying? Um, Jesus, I forget what I'm saying half the time. 
but yeah, so Mark runs Dudes and Dogs down in Cork, and this is an outlet for men to, I suppose, not even an outlet, it's, it's a space for men to go and just water dogs with other men. So for men to be around dogs and other men, don't even have to talk, just go for a walk. But if they want to talk, men are like, it's great to see something like this there because you can just chat about anything, chat about sports, chat about like the weather, which is very shy at the moment. But it's a great initiative. And Mark joined me last week. This is a long enough story now, uh, round the 30 minute mark. So show today is going to be well over the hour of 20 hour of 30 nearly. Uh, but I, want to let this play in full and you can let us know then on social what you think about it. I'd love people share this share the entire episode on social media as well uh, because that way at least then sure we can start and getting this more publicity and like getting the stories out there and letting people know that this is an actual platform that people can use to share their own story Okay, and continuing on now from last week after having Alana Cahill from AC Photography on to give us her own story about how dogs and animals have helped her through, I suppose, difficult times and life-changing events in the past. We're continuing that uh, segment today and would like to be joined today by Matt Kelly, who runs Dudes and Dogs Walk and Talk in uh, Cork here in Ireland. And... uh, First of all, Mark, a huge welcome to the show. Dara, thank you very much. It's a great honour to be asked to be on here. I've been a big fan of yours since I first came across the podcast. And uh, loving uh, loving to get a chance to, to talk about how dogs have, have really helped me over the past year or two in my own mental health journey. All right, and a bit later on, Mark, we're going to actually have, I suppose, a chat as well, a bit more about dudes and dogs. But for now, what mm-hmm. I'd like is, uh, I'd like for you to tell your own story, I suppose, of how how dogs have helped you. So I'll, I'll okay. hand it over to you. Thanks very much, Dara. Well, I suppose the first important point to, to note is that at the moment I don't have a dog. Dogs have always been a, a part of my life. We always had dogs around the house. I grew up around them. Um, in fact, when I was born, we had a little Jack Russell Terrier called Patch. And uh, Patch took to me, especially, and would growl if anyone came near me. And uh, one, of my, one of my mother's fondest memories was when I was learning to walk. Patch would always walk in front of the fire so that I wouldn't go there. I would growl at me if I did. But uh, as I say, dogs um, have always been around the house and grew up with them. Um, so I suppose in terms of how they relate into my own journey around mental health, mental wellness and mental illness, I... Uh, struggled with with mental illness most of my life but I wasn't formally diagnosed until about 2009 I had a serious episode at work uh, which led to me actually um, having to take a lot of take time off from work and some months later 
Um, I was living with my grandmother at the time. And uh, I came home and all of a sudden there was this golden Labrador sat in the kitchen. And I had no idea what it was doing there. She said that uh, there was a family around the corner and the dog had been hit by a car and they had found him, took him to the vets. Basically, they had nowhere to put him. So my grandmother said she would take him. So lo and behold, he became my pet and uh, he really helped me through some, some tough times. That, that first year or two where I was um, struggling, really struggling. Um, and he was, he was a rock for me. Now I had him for about, had him for about four and a half years. That was, was away one weekend. And when I came back, um, he was gone. Uh, I didn't know what happened. Um, according to my grandmother, she, she was around the house and the gate was left open and, he got in the way. Um, my own suspicion is that he was um, he was taken. There there had been a spate of dog thefts in the area around the time, and that's my own personal take on it. But I don't know. It's that was that was two thousand and fourteen when Max Max was was gone, and it was it was really tough losing him. Um, I felt very very guilty because. Um, I wasn't I wasn't an ideal um, dog guardian. Um, there were times when I would sort of not walk him as much as I should have, and he sort of became at times he became more of an inconvenience than realizing them for the the treasure that he was. There's a few regrets I have about that, but. We end up there was we had another couple of dogs around the house, little um toy Pomeranians and I ended up sort of taking those on. And uh they were they were a great help around the house, especially as um the years were progressing. My my grandmother developed um, dementia. So having the dogs around the house for her was great because it was a great source of company for. Her. Plus, I loved having the, the little guys running about. They were, um, they were great. And again, dogs are. I would say to anyone who's going through any kind of mental health struggles, even if you if you're not in a position where you can have a dog, being around dogs is something that will only help you. And in fact, that's sort of what led me on to, to get involved with Dudes and Dogs. and I'll not talk too much about Dudes and Dogs, but I'll, I'll talk sort of about why I got involved and, and how it's been helping me because not having a, not having a dog and having moved, I moved to Cork from Derry in about, I say about, <laughs> I moved to Cork from Derry in 2018. Um, I went back to education. And I came into uh, youth work, uh, community work, with a view to settling down here. I felt that Derry was becoming a place that was just not going. I, I didn't feel I was ever going to get well up there. 
and there were a lot of different reasons for that. Again, so there was a lot of um, the beat myself an awful lot of over how I treated Max and sort of how I should have done better by him. And I almost feel at times that him being taken was a punishment in a way. That was that was tough for me. Um, so for for the past four and a half years, I haven't really been in a position where I could have a dog. There was a I was sharing a house, and it just wouldn't have worked. Now I've been very very lucky to come into a position now where I do have a space of my own, and I have a landlord who's. I'm hoping um, reasonable and open to the idea of, of me having a pet again. I certainly hope so as a vet, so he um, he should be okay with the idea. And plus I talked to him a little bit about dudes and dogs and what I was doing with it and a few other um, organizations that I'd reached out to to um, look into the possibility of maybe fostering a dog again to see how, how it would sit with me and how it would settle um, and then I was doing my work placement um, out at a family resource centre and I was working alongside a um, community healthcare worker and he came up with the idea of a walking group for, for fellas based on Dudes and Dogs, which was in existence already in England. And this was just after the first long period of lockdown back in 2020. So we felt that it would be a great way for fellas in the local area to get out, get reconnected. And as well as that, be a nice chance for them to come together and show off their dogs and we get a chance to see what other people were doing and how, how their dogs were. That's where it started and it sort of it grew legs from there. And After maybe a year of doing that unofficially, sort of off my own steam, I, I reached out to the official organisation over in the UK and asked if they would be interested in me sort of setting this up officially in Ireland and take it from there and luckily they were they were um, Rob Osman the, the fellow that founded the, the organization he was very open to the idea uh, his, his own story is similar to mine it's he's had difficulties with his own mental health but he found though was walking his dog really gave him an opportunity to air a lot of um, things that were on his mind. And he said, even though he didn't get any response, he felt all the better for being able to get that, that weight off his shoulders. For me personally, um, it was the chance to connect with other people, which is what really drew me to it. And as I started being around the dogs a lot more, it made me realize that these these animals were always meant to be a big part of my life and how how empty I felt 
without that connection to them. And it's um, since since my involvement with dudes and dogs, it's it's been an absolute lifesaver for me. Um, even though I don't have my own pets, I would uh, go and collect my my friend's two dogs and being able to help him out because he's very busy and he doesn't get a chance to walk them all the time at the weekends. It's doing something for me. It's doing something for him. I love getting to spend time with George and Lily. They, they're just such, it's such a therapy and such a tonic and, and more and more it's, it's helping me reconnect with the sense of playfulness and child, Child, childlikeness that I felt very disconnected from and I had lost especially uh, during COVID being able to get out and connect with the dogs and my friends helped me through that time it really helped me manage um, probably what I'd say one of the more difficult times in my life at the time, it didn't really feel that difficult. I just felt that I was just going through it, going through the motions. But it actually was one of the toughest periods of my life. And I think I was going through one of the worst depressive episodes in my life, even though I was still from about 2018 to 2021, I was having one of the toughest times in terms of my depression but I was so busy and I was so focused on a number of different things and then having having my degree to focus on was great because I was making great progress that I'd gone to college a couple of times throughout my life and for one reason or another they failed I just I failed to to graduate and it was always hanging over me I always felt when I was applying for jobs that I was sort of trying to bluff my way into the interviews so I could get a chance to show people that I had the talent and I had the skills but I never had the qualification to back it up and as well as that um, coming back to study in youth and community work was a big shift for me um, I was only having lost someone so close to me, I realized my my true purpose and passion in life was working with other people and helping people and particularly young people. And that's something now that I hope to progress through. I hope that in the very near future, I will have a dog of my own, um, hopefully maybe two, and when that's the case, they're going to be a vital part of any work that I do. So I really want to be working with young people again, and young people who are just in in need of a little bit of support and guidance, and having the dog alongside me. I think it's. It's really a reflection of who I am, the the playfulness, the curiosity, the um, 
this was the devotion. They're they're just beautiful creatures, and it's it's so nice. It's so it's it's like it's it's, it's humbling actually to to realize that this this living creature is so dependent on you and loves you unconditionally. Every most dogs I encounter now, they just seem to warm to me. And I could never understand that. I think it's because by reconnecting with the dogs, it's helped me reconnect with the side of my personality that I kept hidden for so long. And it's really helped me to to embrace that side of myself and to accept it and not try to hide it. Um, I just think the that more and more the idea of having a dog for me was something that kept me going through um, through some tough times. It gave me a focus. Um, I don't think if I I think if I hadn't had that drive and that purpose, I probably wouldn't have pushed myself on to to find a job that was going to allow me to to move into a space where I could have an animal. I think it um, would have just stayed as a as a sort of a fantasy, and I'm I'm so glad it hasn't. Um, I'll probably be pinching myself when there's a little a little schnauzer sat on the sofa next to me. Um, originally it was plans for a Doberman, but and then I I, th- I thought it would be a great idea to, to test out the. The notion of a Doberman as a therapy dog, because I absolutely adore them. Um, every time I see one, I, I just I melt. I'm like a child. I have to go over and talk to the owner. Talk to the owners. I have to see them. I just I I get I get giddy when I see one. <laughs> but having an animal like this. It requires a huge level of responsibility. And the more and more that I looked into it, the more I realized that it's something I, it's an idea I was in love with, but the reality of it just wasn't practical. Uh, but never say never. Um, I say if I ever, ever stumble across a, a house with 30 or 40 acres on it, then I may have a, a, a school of Doberman running about. That's um. That's that's sort of that'll be the lot that'll be the <laughs> the pipe dream, but at the moment um, I'm working away with dudes and dogs. Uh, I'm hoping over the next course of the next six months or so to get some more promotion um, out there about it. Hopefully, we can attract a few more people. Um. I'd like to examine the prospect of developing some type of lifestyle and training program around it that could help um, help men who are going through some tough times. I think at the moment, men are finding it very tough to, to cope with a lot of the pressures of life and loneliness and isolation is a big part of that. Um, 
And for a lot of guys who might be in positions like me where they they really want to have a dog, but they're just not able to, still being able to have that connection to a dog is is a huge thing. Um, it's it certainly has uh, given me a much more positive outlook on life. It's um, it's helped me to to manage my own mental health condition a lot better, and it's it's given me a sense of purpose and a, a drive on to to do something and to to hopefully share that love and connection with other people and let them come into a space where they can feel comfortable, they can feel relaxed, they can just enjoy a little bit of space, a little bit of time. That's, in a, in a nutshell there, that's sort of my own journey with mental health and how dogs have been a part of my life and how at the moment they're 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 helping they're they're helping me immensely because I don't think I'd be managing as well as I did if if I didn't have those that connection to to my friends' dogs and to my friends as well. And thank you so much, Mark, there for sharing your story. And like I I completely agree with you on a lot of the points that you that you made. There. I think especially in the last few years during lockdown, especially was a very tough time mentally for like for a lot of people who only had like I touched on a couple of weeks ago who only had their dog as their companion but like for a lot of people the dogs are what have gotten through these difficult times and I love what you're doing as well with dudes and dogs it's a fantastic idea and like I think you're right it's it's something like men need to be I suppose more open about mental health as well it's something, it's been this, I suppose, the stigma that's been there for years and years. Especially, like I know growing up, for me, it was a case that you just got on with things. And yeah. men didn't talk about mental health. And I'm, I'm delighted to see that there's groups like Dudes and Dogs that are out there. Mm. They're helping men to connect and just helping people to connect with, like, with each other through their dogs. I think that's a wonderful idea. Yeah. I, that's 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 definitely a, a good point you raised there, um, and it, hopefully we are helping to remove a lot of that stigma. I think it's too it's um, because there's not we don't emphasize the mental health side of it. It's it's more about just giving fellas a space where they can come together and connect. Um, like it's. Guys who are coming along to to the walks, like you don't you you don't have to be going through a tough time. You might just be finding that you might have an hour free on a Saturday or Sunday morning, and you thought you you can think to yourself, I might as well go and meet some new people. And out of out of the the original group that started, four of us are aren't from Cork. And what we found was that as men, it's really difficult to, to re- like, if you're not into sports, if you're not going to the pub, and obviously then you, you, you couldn't, you couldn't do either. 
it's really difficult as a man and you're coming through your 30s into your 40s to meet friends and to meet other fellas that you might connect with. What we find is that, you know, having having your dog there is is great because it's similar to the man's shed. The man's shed works because it's activity-focused um, interaction. That's where the magic lies. Men don't feel readily comfortable coming together just to talk. But if you're coming, if you're coming with a, with a focused activity, that breaks down a few barriers. And as and if you're I suppose for a lot of men, if you put it out there and say mental health talk for men, a lot of guys will go, God, I'm not having any trouble. But if it's just walk and talk, and that's all it is, it's a walk and a talk. You can talk about whatever is going on for you. You know, we talk an awful lot about sports. There's an awful lot of banter. Um, there's a great cultural education at two. Um, we've got we've got a guy from England. We have a guy from Portugal. Uh, there's an American guy comes along, and it's great to, to find out about where they come from. It's great to find out about how they're settling into life in Ireland. And even myself, as a Northern Irish man, I suppose I feel in many ways I, I, I can relate to the, the foreigners more because I say I, I am, by for all intents and purposes, I am a foreigner here. So it's it's nice to connect with other people and it's nice to to connect with people who don't have any preconceived ideas of you and they just take you at face value. And I'm very, very happy to say that the, those guys have become oh, I say all the all the people I've met on the walks and the people that have stayed on the walks have become very close friends of mine and they're people that I am very proud to to be considered their friends and I'm, I'm very proud to be able to to help them in any small way that I can. Well, that's fantastic, Mark. And listen, once again, thank you so much. It means a lot that you've come on today to share your story. And like, I'm hoping that when people hear your story, it will encourage more people as well to come on to share their story because I think it's very important to actually get these stories out there and just let people know that, like, nobody's alone. Like, no, there's there's always someone there to listen. And I'm hoping yeah. that through this, that, like, people will hear these stories and people will start to recognize that, like, I suppose dogs are, dogs are great emotional support animals as well. And dogs are always there for us. Yeah, um, no matter what. Um, Dara... Thank you so much for those kind words. Um, that means a lot. And I'm just, to say, I feel very, very honoured and very privileged that um, you agreed to have me on. And I do hope that this at least, if, if we can get one or two people to, to think about it and uh, can kick on a little bit over these next six months and 
get the the word out there a little bit more and maybe try and get one or two more walks going then that'll be that i think that would be a, a success in my eyes um listen I, i'll not keep i'll not take up any more of your time dara just once again thank you for having me on and um i will be sure to spread the word far and wide about it thanks ever so much mark and we'll leave it there for now mark kelly from cool. uh dudes and dogs in cork and if you want to find out about uh more about dudes and dogs mark what's the best place for people to find out about us uh they could find out about our social um we're on insta we're on facebook um if you just search dudes and dogs um no if anyone is looking to come on to a walk we would ask that you would book um it's sunday mornings 10 a.m we meet at the we meet down at the Marina Park, um, just be just behind Parky Cueve in Cork. Um, so if anyone wants to book on, it's dudesanddogs.co.uk. Um, but say if you can get on there and book, that'd be great. We're just we're we're looking to to um to get uh, some statistics together as we're as we're going for funding over the next while. And just to show that there are people coming on and people getting booked on. But other than that, if, if people just, uh, if even if they just Google Dudes and Dogs Cork, they'll get access to a few articles out, out there about us. And um, my, I'm, I can share my contact details if, if people do want to get in touch with me. Um, so if anyone does need to reach out to me, my mobile number is it's 085. One three five, oh one nine five. Um, no problems there. It's um, it's out in a few, few areas anywhere, so it's, it's it's not privileged information. But yeah, if anyone wants to come along, or if anyone wants to talk, or is anything that's sort of on their mind that they can reach out to me. If um, I'm more than happy to sign post or get them out on a walk whenever they they can. That's great, Mark. And Mark, thanks, thanks ever so much for that, and thanks for joining us today. No bother, Listen, look after yourself, and uh, I will look forward to hearing more podcasts. Okay, and a huge thanks again to Mark for joining me there. And that's about it for this this week's show. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, Bruno and Millie and Roxy are waiting for the walk, and I'm going to see if Bruno can do some sort of a small walk. Because he's just been, like like I said, he's been in a bit of pain. I don't want to overdo it with him. I just want to make sure that he's able to get out and about anyway. Uh, but yeah, that's it for this week. As always, follow us on our social media. On Instagram, Facebook, The Big Bear Podcast. On our TikTok, Big Bear Podcast Official. And on Twitter, Big Bear Podcast. I'm trying to get them all kind of aligned somewhat. But we'll figure that out as a later date so hopefully we can get them everything aligned and well we can just you know make sure that it is where it is and we can yeah like I said we can enjoy like all the stuff on social media we can enjoy the fact that we Roxy is stealing the show over on TikTok and I hope you enjoyed the episode today and it's been a long one but Huge thanks to all my guests. Huge thanks to Samantha for coming Clever Canines today. Delighted to have Samantha back and she'll be joining us again next week. Uh, 
greater how to urban farm holistic how not tell us all about her products and we'll have another hopefully another businessy person on next week as well to tell us about their products and a big thanks to mark kelly for joining us to share his story as well well that's it for today and thank you for joining us that this is the big back podcast i'm daryl burke you had been joined by my co-host bruno million roxy the Big Bad Podcast, the show that brings all the canine stories to you. Have a good week. It's the Big Bark with the latest of the canines. The Big Bark, all the doggiest headlines. With your hosts, Dara, Millie, Roxy and Bruno. They're the kind of dogs that you know. It's time to talk about health. Nutrition, training, talk with canine professionals, owners, and dogs. It's the big bug, the big